All right. Well, as the, uh, as the kids head out, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. If you have a smartphone with you and you have access to the Bible on there, a tablet or something like that, feel free to, to break that out as well and turn it to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. One quick housekeeping matter, I guess two quick housekeeping matters for folks here at First Baptist. Tonight, we're planning to celebrate a deacon ordination, and so that will be happening tonight at 6 o'clock, and so we're excited about, about that. I know you want to come and be a part of that. And then next Sunday night, we have a special called business meeting, which is not undercover for saying don't come. It's just saying we have something that we need to, uh, we need to talk about, and we're going to address that next Sunday night. So we needed to, uh, to let you know that that was coming up. I hope you'll take the bulletin or the, the worship guide that you got as you were coming in, and you'll turn it over to the back. And we have some notes that we're going to look at. You feel free to follow along during the sermon, during the next few minutes, uh, as we look at, look at God's Word together. We're going to begin in Ephesians, and then we'll have a few other verses up on the screen as well, and you'll be able to follow along with those as we look and, and see what God is saying to us this morning. But first, I'd like to read from Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 8 through 10. It says, and I'm reading from the New International Version. You may have a different version in front of you, but it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Father, we need the reminder anytime we come to a church service that we don't gather to participate simply in a ritual. We don't gather simply to hear from one person. But God, we desire for you to move in our lives, to remind us of the lives that you called us to live, remind us why we have those lives. And God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been a part of a project, either at work or maybe at home, a project you were doing, and you were in the middle of it, and you got this feeling, this is never going to end. There is no end in sight. I've, I've got myself into the middle of this, and I do not see any end in sight. When I was in college, I was trying to put together some odd jobs, and so someone asked me to come over to their house and, and help them move. If anyone asks you to do that, it's good to do some reconnaissance work before, before you actually show up at their house and say that you're going to help them move. Because I showed up to this lady's house, I knocked on her door, she opened the door, and I was tempted to say, oh, I'm sorry, I must be at the wrong house. Because when you looked in, it looked like you and, you know, a regular house when you show up. You know, I was expecting in my mind to show up and there were going to be things, you know, boxed up because that's what you do when you move. You box things up and, and you get them ready to move. I showed up at this lady's house and she said, oh, you're here to help me move. And I said, I wanted to say no, but it was too late at that point. So I said, yes, I am. And so over the next 18 hours of my life, we packed up this lady's house. There were a few times in the middle I wanted to roll up in that like foam popcorn stuff and just be completely finished with it, but I, I couldn't do that. And so we just kept going. It is a bad feeling to work and work 
and work and see nothing for your effort. And to work and work and work and say, I'm not getting any closer to the end. I'm not making any progress here. For the last couple of weeks at First Baptist, we've been talking about the idea of rest. That we work and we work and we work, and God created us to need rest, to need to slow down. We live in a world where people are exhausted, where people are constantly doing things, and worst part about it is you don't see any end in sight. You work and then realize, well, I'm probably going back to work the next day, or I'm probably going back to work the next week, and we just keep going and going and going, and we get exhausted, and we need rest. But here's what I want to say this morning. It's when we talk about what Scripture says about rest, we need to go just a little bit deeper on that reality because when Scripture talks about rest, rest is ultimately connected to the idea of salvation. And on your notes it says that rest is Christological. Now, Christological is just a $100 word for saying who Jesus is, what Jesus does, how Jesus is at work in the world around us. Rest is is ultimately based on Jesus. We will never know true rest. We will never know true rest in this life or in the life to come apart from Jesus Christ. And so we can talk about work, we can talk about rest, we can talk about all of these things, but until we get this idea correct, we're gonna find ourselves in the middle of a job that there's no end to. And so we see this in several places in the New Testament, but one of the places it's most clear is in Ephesians chapter 2. When you look at Ephesians chapter 2, and you look at verse 8, and guys, if you can bring that back up on the screen just for a minute, but when you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now it says there that you've been saved, The obvious question is, saved from what? Well, to find that out, we have to back up to the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, and I would encourage you to read verses 1 through 7 of that chapter. But what it reminds us is that our problem in life is not just that we're sometimes bad people, and our problem is just not that we have a lot to do in life. Our problem is that we're in sin. And when we're in sin, we're dead in that sin, we're captive to that sin, and not only that, but the result of that is going to be destruction, is going to be death. And so we're in this situation that no matter how hard we try, we cannot work ourselves out of it. Because if we did, we would get the reward. We would get the reason to boast. We could be prideful and say, look at all those good things I did to earn salvation, But when it says that we're saved, it reminds us that it's something that only God can do. He does the saving. And the question is how? How does God save someone from their sins? It says at the beginning of verse 8, it says, it is by grace. Now grace is another one of those Bible words that we have to make sure we understand what it means. The word grace means gift. So if you ever see grace in Scripture and you're trying to make sense of it, grace just means gift, something given to you that you didn't earn yourself. There's another verse in the New Testament, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You don't have to raise your hand on this one. But how many of you have ever thought to yourself, I'm working myself to death? 
That's a phrase we use a lot of times. I am working myself to death. Did you know that's a biblical phrase? Except it's not a good phrase. (laughs) Because what it says in Romans 6.23 is the wages of sin is death. What you get for your work is death. You're literally working yourself to death. Because we are doing things in life that are opposed to God's plan. That are opposed to what he has called us to do. We do them for our own good to see what we can get out of them. And scripture calls that sin. And it says that the wages of sin is death. Now, here's the point. Romans 6.23, we would expect at the end, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of your hard work is eternal life. But that's not how it ends, is it? It's the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, God gives us salvation. It is a gift from him. It's not something we work for. It's not something we do these good things to earn, but it comes from God. Back in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were looking at earlier, it says, it's by grace you have been saved. And then it says, through faith. So how do we experience God's grace in our life? We experience through faith. Now, now faith can be a confusing concept because sometimes when we think about faith, we think about believing that God exists. And, and that's good. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's good that we believe that God exists. But in the book of James in the New Testament, it says that even the demons believe that God exists. Believing that God exists is not what faith is about in the scripture. And it's not even about having a faith. If someone came up to ask you, are you a person of faith? You would probably be tempted to say yes. And you would say, I'm a part of the Catholic faith or the Baptist faith or the, you know, you say I'm a person of faith. But what it really means in Ephesians 2 to have faith is that you are putting your trust, you are putting your life in the hands of someone else. You're saying, I am no longer in control of my life. I am giving my life over to someone else. I am going to experience God's gift in my life because I'm going to trust in Christ. It would be like one of our first responders or emergency personnel here, here, here this morning, and they get called onto a scene, and they find somebody who's in need of help And so they go up to rescue the person, and the person says, oh, no, no, I've got it. I've got it under control. It's like me when I'm stranded on the side of the road without gas in the van. And all of my guy instincts kick in, and I think, I'm going to get my family out of this situation one way or the other. I wasted about 45 minutes of my family's life on the side of the interstate because I was trying to figure out how to get us from stop, stop to starting with no gas, but I refused to call for help. Just would not, would not do it. And, and Amanda, God bless her, is saying, Owen, just call somebody. And I'm saying, no, no, we're going we're gonna to figure this out. I'm going to go walk and get gas and come back. And she said, no, you're not. You're not going to leave me here on the side of the road with the kids. You're, you're going to call to get help. So finally, I called for help. My friend came. Ten minutes later, we had gas in the car, and we were started again. To my wife's credit, she didn't rub it in too much. But, uh, but, but just the idea that you are in need of being rescued, and you say, no, 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 I've got this under control, when you don't have it under control. And nothing that you can do in your own strength and on your own power is going to be able to help you. 
Here's the great lie of work. The great lie of work is that the end is right around the corner. If I just get another job, or if I just work a few more hours, or if I just make a little bit more money, or if I can just make it to next week or next year, then I'm going to arrive. Then I'm going to get there. It doesn't matter if you're trying to impress your family or your boss or a God. The lie of work is that the end is right around the corner when it's not. When I was in school, I had a very bad habit. And you can tell my wife is a patient lady from, uh, from listening to my stories. But uh, when I was in school, I had a bad habit of telling Amanda, next semester is going to be easier. I know this semester is hard. Like, I know, you know, we're not seeing each other a lot. We're working a whole bunch, and you're taking care of the kids. But next semester, it's going to be easier on our family. Guess what happened next semester? It wasn't easier on our family. And so I would tell her, just hang in there. Five, five more months. Let me get through this semester. Then we're going to take the summer off. Guess what happened when the summer came? Didn't take the summer off because I had more work to do. The lie of work is thinking, if I can just do a little bit more then I'm going to arrive where I need to get to. And it just doesn't work that way. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot do enough good things to earn God's grace, to earn his salvation. So the question is, how? What's the answer? And the answer is found in what Jesus has done for us. In the book of Hebrews, and these these scriptures are printed on your, your bulletin, or they're also on the screen as well. But in the book of Hebrews, it says in chapter 4, verse 9, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. These verses are reaching back to the creation story where God created in six days and then on the seventh day, he rested What Hebrews chapter 4 is saying is that you can work all you want, but you are never going to enter God's rest. You're never going to enter perfect rest on your own. And so then in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27, this is such a key phrase or key verse in the New Testament. If if you like to underline or circle in your Bibles, this is a good one, uh, a good one to do that. Hebrews 7, 27, Jesus has no need like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily or day after day, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this, and this is the key phrase, for their sins once for all. Jesus' sacrifice is not like us going to work. If you were hired to go to work and you showed up the first day, you did a good job, And then you didn't come back the second day and your boss called you and said, hey, where are you? And you said, oh, I just work one day at my job. You know what they would say? I agree. You just work one day at at your job and and you're finished. That's how that would work. What, What the reality was is in giving sacrifices to God, the priest would give sacrifices every day. And then they would give special sacrifices every month. And then they would get other, other sacrifices every year. They were constantly giving sacrifices to earn this favor, to, to bridge this relationship with God. But when Jesus came, he didn't die multiple times. 
He gave his life for us once for all so that we no longer have to work day after day, week after week, year after year to bridge that gap with God. Jesus did that once for all for us on the cross so that we would no longer work for salvation but so that we would trust in him so that we would realize that on the cross he paid the price for our sins not something we can do through his resurrection he defeated death not something we can do on our own everything that we could not achieve by good works by attending church by doing any type of religious ritual Jesus did for us so that we would be able to rest in him. So that we would have that hope that says, I don't have to earn this. I simply give my life to him and trust in him. That's what these guys were were showing through baptism. They were showing that I've died to myself and I've put my life before Christ. And I'm trusting in him for my salvation, for my righteousness. Now, there's a temptation at this point. And let's be real at this point. There's a temptation when we talk about the gospel and we talk about salvation to say, you know, I'm not really sure that I I understand that. You're you're saying that I just do nothing? Jesus does everything and and I I just kind of do whatever I want to or I just do nothing? This is where we have to be very careful. Because in one sense, that is true. Jesus has done for us what we can never do for ourselves. But there's a misconception of Christianity that sometimes says, because of what Jesus has done for me, that I just don't, I'm just not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna sit around and continue to live my life the way that I've always lived it. The problem there, and this is especially true if you're a very driven person, if you like to go to work, if you set goals and try to accomplish them, if that's your type of personality and you love to do those things, it's easy to say, I'm not really sure I want that message. I'm not sure I really understand that message of resting in Christ. But this is the reason we need the whole gospel. Not just the resting in Christ, but we're also called to work in Christ. If you look at the end of of that passage in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's the distinction there. And make sure you follow me on this. Here's the distinction. We are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. We are not saved by the good things we do. So we don't do good things to earn this standing with God. But because of what God has done for us in Christ, the result of that is then that we will live doing good works that he's called us to do. In in verse 10 there, it says that we are God's workmanship. That term there is the term for uh, maybe a painting that someone would do, uh, a product that they would create. If you like to do woodworking or you like to do painting or you like to do anything where you're creating something with your hands, this is that type of imagery in scripture, is that we are God's workmanship. We are God's product, his masterpiece that he's creating. And the reason he's doing that is that we would then do good works. So Jesus works in us, we rest in him, and then as a result of that, we go out and do these works. 
Imagine the difference in working for your employer if you feel like every day you're having to impress them so that they will like you. All you do at your job, all you do in your family is you try to do things to impress the people around you. You know what kind of atmosphere that creates at work or in, or in your family? Everybody's tense. Everybody's on edge because they're always trying to do these things so that the boss or the parents or the other people in the family will like them or accept them. Versus the situation where you go to work or you go home and you know no matter what happens, you are loved and accepted and valued. You know what the difference is? In that situation, you want to do good things. You want to work for that person. You want to be active and involved because you know that you're already accepted. You're not trying to earn that acceptance. That's the distinction that we make in, in Scripture. I like the way that J.R. Vassar says it. There's a quote on your paper there. It says, we don't rest from work as much as we work from rest. Think about those two moments in your life. The first moment you wake up in the morning— uh, or for some of our shift workers here, you wake up in the afternoon and, and you get ready to go to work and you f- don't feel rested. You're like, I just slept for six or seven hours, but I might as well take in a 30-minute nap because I do not feel rested and I've got to get up, get dressed, and go to work. Contrast that with when you go home from work and you try to unwind. Some people are good at unwinding. Some people are not good at unwinding. You're not at work, but you still feel tense. You're not at work, but you're still thinking about work. You're not at work, but you're still feeling exhausted from the day. What Jesus has done for us is he has set us free from having to work for our salvation. And he has said, trust in me and you will be right with God. And as a result of that rest, you can then live for God in the way that he has created you to live for him. That's the message of the gospel. That is the hope of Jesus Christ. And that is the reason that we are able to live for him because we are able to rest in him. As we come to the end of our time this morning, there are two questions. There's no reason to make it complicated because scripture doesn't make it complicated. Here's the first question. Do you know what it is to rest in Christ? Do you feel like I have to go to church I have to do good things. I have to get my life together and then maybe God would be okay with me. Or do you realize that Jesus died for you? He did for us what we can never do for ourselves. No amount of church attendance, no amount of good works, no amount of religious background. It's what Jesus did for us and we can rest in that. You have security and hope in that. Do you know that type of rest? If you don't, the answer is simply to trust in him, to give your life to him and recognize that he has accomplished that salvation for you. Here's the second side of that. If you do know that rest, are you working in Christ? The result of being saved is not laziness. The result of being saved is that you then live for Christ. You say, he has done this in my life, and now I want to go out and share that with people around me. So we rest in Christ in order to work in Christ. That's what it looks like to live the Christian life. That's what it means to be a church. I'm going to pray for us, 
after I pray, we're going to sing a hymn together. During that time, if you need someone to pray for you, if you just need to come before God and say, God, I think I've been trying to earn your approval. I've never trusted in Christ. There are going to be people up in the balcony. There are going to be people down here on the floor that are available to pray for you. However you need to spend this time with the Lord, I pray that you'll do that. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to sing this hymn together.